You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello everybody, we're back again, we're back again after an unexpected hiatus, a couple of things happened, Uh, one week uh, Nick was on his holidays and nobody else was available to join me and I thought about doing a solo show but never got round to it because I'll be honest, doing a solo show is a bit of a drag. Um, And then last week at the last minute, uh, about half an hour before I was going to set up, uh, I got a phone call from my mother saying that uh, 111 had asked my father to go to the out-of-hours clinic because he had what they suspected and, in fact, turned out to be um, an attack of cellulitis, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is an unpleasant uh, infection that gets through your skin and into the uh, cells of your leg or arm or wherever and causes swelling and redness and pain, quite a lot of pain. So... uh, I had to drive him down to the out-of-hours clinic to see a GP, where cellulitis was confirmed and he was given a bunch of antibiotics. Um, that was supposed to fix it, but apparently in the week it got a bit worse and he had to go and see a paramedic, and uh, I believe he was given some more stronger antibiotics, and he's now on the mend. So, for everybody who said uh, best oh, wishes, good. yep, he's apparently now back on the mend, the... Uh, Redness and swelling is uh, going down. Still got a swollen, painful foot, but um, it, 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 during the week, apparently, it spread up into his calf, which is not good. But um, he's on the no, mend I've again now. People, I've yep. seen people with cellulitis. It's not, not pleasant. No, it causes, you know, inflammation and pain and redness and um, can lead to you getting... Uh, if it's not treated, you can get general... Um, you know, fever and malaise, and I guess if it's yeah. bad and left untreated, it could possibly lead to sepsis, but uh, thankfully, with the miracle of um, antibiotics, it's not a dreadful, it's uh, painful and unpleasant, but not a life-threatening condition most of the time, so that's all good. Yeah. That's all good. So that's why we weren't here for the last couple of weeks, sorry about that, but uh, there you go. Um, Right, before we move on to anything else, of course, this week's major news is there's been a rather dreadful earthquake in Morocco, and uh, unfortunately, the death toll skyrocketed from 300 to 600 to 900 to 2,000 or whatever it is predicted to be at the moment. So as ever, if you uh, have some cash to spare... Uh, please donate, you know, to Disaster Relief and Emergency Committee or uh, International Red Cross or another reputable charity who will send money and assistance to the people of Morocco. Um, not much else to say about that, is there, Nick? Such as uh, if you can spare no, a few quid. No, there isn't. You know? It's a, a, a difficult situation. Well, the it trouble is. is these. So that's the second one we've had recently, isn't it? That happened during the night. Mm. So um, people are, you know, it's not. 
<laughs> it's not like people are prepared for it during the day either, but at least you're probably on your feet or easily yeah. on your feet. But if yeah. it happens to you at night, you know, you're all in bed. Yeah. yeah. That's not I good. don't I don't know um I don't know what it rated on the Richter scale, but uh, it was bad enough. Oh, it was that... uh, 6.8, I think it was. Was it? Oh, so well, that's pretty bad. Bit, yeah. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. Six point. I, mean, I, think I might it... have got that wrong, but I think... Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, if it's above five, you're talking about buildings collapsing and yeah. structural damage and all sorts of unpleasantness. And uh, apparently, I believe it was about 50 miles <laughs> from Marrakesh, the epicentre. So um, yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it was in the Atlas Mountains, apparently. Yes, the earthquake itself. Center. So, so uh, you know, unsurprisingly, what, what, what as usual with these things, what they're worried about are the communities that have all been cut off, and mm. they have no no way of telling how many people have been killed. Or yeah, not good. Well, because I, I so, yes, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you can spare a few pennies, just send it there. Send it their way. Indeed. Um. There we are. Obviously, we are recording on the Sunday, and uh, Apple's big event is Tuesday coming. Tuesday coming. Yes, excitement all (laughs) round. There is excitement all round. What will Apple have to release? We don't know, and I'm not even going to speculate. Well, all right, I might do a Vinny and the Squirrels and make a bet that there might be some iPhones. I don't think I'm. <laughs> I don't think I'm think throwing too much caution to the wind with that one. Um, there might be some other things we don't know, and um, we'll get on to that a bit later, I suppose. Um, I'm going to start with uh, this section on legislation because some of it makes me cross, or as uh, Bart would say, cranky. It makes me very cranky. Um, <laughs> We are, of course, referring to the dreaded UK online safety bill, which is, uh, I'm going to restrain myself here and saying, considered by many privacy advocates to be a spying charter and uh, involves a lot of things that tech companies don't like, privacy advocates don't like, and has been barreled forward under the banner of won't you think of the children as is often used um this story uh we're going to skim over a lot of these stories nick because there's three weeks worth and if we spent all you know if we discussed them all at yeah, length, that's fine we'll be here a long time yeah um this one's from a week or so ago on 9to5Mac, and it's it's not just iMessage. The UK government could ban Apple security updates uh, and other carriers and or, you know, um, companies. So, you know, be it Meta or Google or whatever, uh, because part of the wording uh, was it... Uh, that device manufacturers would have to notify the government before making available important security updates, fixing known vulnerabilities and keep devices secure. According to the the Secretary of State, upon receiving advance notice, could now request operators, for instance, to abstain from patching security gaps, allowing the government to maintain access for their own surveillance purposes. Um unsurprisingly everybody was up in arms about that uh this online safety bill is really an absolute mess i'll be honest and the more you read about it the angrier you get um it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to 
say it will all be safer if we weaken security. I mean, mm. it, 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 it just yes. saying those words just sounds ridiculous. Well, um, yeah, on Twitter, um, on Twitter uh, the other day, thankfully, um, during the third reading, I believe it's the third reading of the bill in the Lords, um, the government were forced to uh, make a minor back down on the bill uh, and were forced to admit that they would only uh, be able to uh, surveil end-to-end encrypted uh, messages and other services when such technology was suitably available, i.e. never. It's not happening. Ofcom have been granted the powers to uh, rule on whether or not um, suitable technology is available. So uh, Tech Radar have one online safety bill, encrypted messages to be saved for now. Um, it's not as big a climb down as most people would like, but it does at least give Ofcom the power to stop the government from ordering surveillance of E2E services without the magic bean technology that will never exist. So, in theory, <laughs> that at least has been... Um, on Twitter, when it was released, I put a comment saying, you know, this, this bill was nothing other than a author- authoritarian government-type grab to spy on all and sundry. Uh, unfortunately for the government, it relied on magic bean technology, which cannot and will not exist. And uh, now they've been caught out. So uh, that's that. So uh, some reprieve on that level at the moment. How how that will play out in the longer term, nobody knows because they haven't removed the wording from the bill as most people would like. They've simply been forced to admit that the technology which they claim will be able to safely scan everybody's end-to-end encrypted messages without breaking encryption doesn't actually exist. So there we Mm. go. Um, We have uh, a piece here from Proton Mail, the online safety bill which doesn't protect encryption is a paradox. That was in the Evening Standard. And that is, uh, of course, our friend Andy uh, from Proton um, and uh, refers to William Pitt the Elder, who stood in Parliament in 1763 and outlined why privacy is a vital right afforded to all. The poorest man may in his cottage bid defiance to all the forces of the crown. It may be frail, its roof may shake, the wind may blow through and the storm may enter, the rain may enter, but the King of England himself cannot enter. Um, And so there you go. Um, Apparently our current government would like to sweep all that away, much to uh, the chagrin of all. And uh, unsurprisingly, a large number of people are rallying against it and have been for its whole passage. Um, we mentioned before that uh, several services that use end-to-end encryption threatened quite rightly that uh, if this bill passed as it was uh, intended by the government that they would withdraw their encrypted services from the UK, including 
WhatsApp, iMessage, Telegram, and others. Um, yeah, there's a there's a fine line between freedom and security, and we need to tread it very carefully. Otherwise, yes. we're just throwing away. Basically, freedom disappears, and it all becomes about security. I.e., you're being watched all the while. Mm. It's not good. Not good. I hope it has a very rough time through Parliament. Well, unfortunately, I think <laughs> it a... gets just amended and watered down and whatever. Well, I believe this was the third and final reading, so... Uh, oh, was it? Oh, dear. I'm afraid I don't think it can take much more... Uh, it won't take any more amendments, but the government have been forced to back down over their encryption plans. Um, we have here one from the Financial Times, so, you know, a worthy and respected news organ the uk pulls back from clash with big tech over private messaging if you wish to uh, read about that and the uk government knows how extreme the online safety bill is uh, a piece by the electronic freedom foundation all of which are in the show notes for those who wish to delve into the deeper yes sadly the financial times one's behind the paywall so oh is it oh well yeah. i yeah I'm, I've just tried I've just tried clicking on it. It says you can subscribe. Try unlimited access for one pound for four weeks. Oh. I must have had a free one then because I was able to scroll through that. Perhaps if I click on it again it'll go you need to subscribe. Ah. Uh, oh. Oh dear. Yeah, I could read it earlier. Oh well, never mind. Uh, well, you can read about it. If you put in UK online safety bill, no doubt you will find plenty yes, about I'm it. I'm sure you'll find plenty. Yeah. Plenty to, uh, you know, apparently all over bar the shouting now, but, uh, you know, we'll have to look to another government in the future to amend or dismantle it, I am assuming. Anyway, um, also in legislation, but a little less uh, contentious, the European Digital Services Act comes into force today and it's hard to tell whether Apple is complying with it. This is 9 to 5 Mac. Um, the, uh, the Digital Services, uh, Act, um, is about, uh, protecting people from false information, disguised ads, and from personal data being used to target you without knowledge. It impacts 19 tech giants, which have been identified as operating large platforms, um, and influence a large number of people. Um, in theory, the primary purpose of the DSA is to prevent the spread of misinformation and disinformation on social networks. Um, apparently, Apple must reply, uh, comply with the DSA in respect of the App Store, ads and paid slots in search must be clearly identified as such. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's impossible to know if the App Store is in compliance. One of the first categories I see on the home page called Apps express yourself tools for creators is apple showing that category to me because it thinks i've downloaded other creative apps or being shown to everyone i have no way to tell um when i tap on the category were the apps listed picked by apple's editorial staff or have they been paid to be in the list i have no way to know um so that's so it says it says um on the 95 mac um article it says uh it's supposed to be about uh, misinformation, misleading, disseminating in, in disinformation, that kind of thing. But it asks a pertinent question. It says um, uh, uh, both can be harmful 
um, but while much of it is a, is um, a matter of object fat, there's also a significant grey area. For example, if an indicted former president were to return to Twitter or X with a post featuring his police mugshot and the words election interference, is that disinformation or a confession? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <clears throat> you know, devil is in the detail with these things always. Um, also yeah. on the also on the Digital Services Act, uh, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger are classed as gatekeepers in the EU, uh, prepared to be confused by BGR, and the EU will not force Apple to open up iMessage to third parties, at least not yet. And this is because in Europe, uh, Apple is not considered a gatekeeper with iMessage because it does not have a majority share. Uh, unlike the US, where I believe iOS can, controls 52 to 55% of the market share uh, in oh, Europe, it, it is not as large. Uh, Android has a larger market share than iOS in a large number of European countries. So more confusion to add. Um, that one's from Tech Radar. And again, listeners, if you are interested in digging into that, the notes are in the show notes. Um, that's enough about that because I'm bored of that. And <laughs> um, I think part of the, I think part of the problem is that that the whole thing is so complex that you can just end up winding yourself up in knots over the whole thing. It's, oh yeah, it, a the, lot of it doesn't make sense when you dig down into the into the depths of it. You know, it's all it's a little bit like saying. Um, uh, I'm for I don't know. I'm for um. Uh, I'm trying to think something random. Uh, I'm for um. Uh, green socks. Everyone should wear green socks. Um. Uh, uh, but you know, there, there's lots of other questions. Uh, what type of green? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Do they have to be cotton green socks, or can they be? <laughs> yeah. What about wool? You and know. as soon as you. St- as soon as you start d- digging into any of these things, it just becomes so complicated. And the only way to write any kind of legislation is to make it so complex that no one understands it. Part of the uh, reason that it's good for Apple not to be considered to be a gatekeeper in the EU is because part of that legislation um, allows for um, a rule which says... Um, that gatekeepers must open their services to third parties who wish to interoperate with them. So, uh, for example, if Apple was considered to be a gatekeeper, then Google could demand that it installs RCS, which is their equivalent to the iMessage, you know, super SMS technology, um, in order to be able to interact with them. iMessage is not a gatekeeper service per the DMA rules, but WhatsApp and Facebook are. That means Meta has six months to open up its popular chat apps to rival platforms, and I do not expect this to be user-friendly or fun. Um, And uh, this then goes into, um, you know, the complexities of who uh, is allowed to ask for interoperability with Meta or Microsoft or anybody else, and who is not? And um, just to make life—if if we're not—if we're not careful, we're going to end up with the old cookie um, issue again, aren't we? We're going to 
we're going to end up with lots of questions which we have to answer before we can actually do anything exactly uh, um uh and just to uh make life even more interesting apparently although they will be forced um apparently to add these features if asked by other um services uh, the users themselves will be able to say, I don't want that to be activated on my app personally. So there will be toggles. So uh, as they say here, in other words, to comply with the DMA is not only a nightmare for gatekeepers, especially chat app developers. Uh, it would seem that Meta will have to spend money on potentially making WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger work with other chat apps in Europe for other for the end users who probably don't care about it operate interoperability in the first place and will simply turn it off so there you go <laughs> welcome to the fun and games of legislation indeed um, there we go that's enough of that let's move on let's go on to some um other stories this isn't an apple story although i've put it in the top of the apple um couple of weeks back i believe uh john warnock the father of uh apple desktop publishing passed away and for those who don't know john warnock was um one of the leading lights of adobe one of the founders of adobe who obviously invented postscript and postscript is what brought about the desktop publishing revolution so mm-hmm. john warnock has you know Travelled over the Rainbow Bridge to uh, whatever digital heaven it is he's uh, headed for. Sad to see, you know, these people, but uh, time moves on and none of us get any younger, do we, Nick? So We don't. We I, can, I can remember the days of laser printers being sent badly formatted postscript and ended up printing out the postscript instead. Uh, <laughs> yes. <coughs> <laughs> And for those who are not uh, old enough to have experienced that joy, the uh, the bizarre thing that would happen if that happened was the postscript would usually come out on one line per sheet of A4 paper. <laughs> That's so right. if, yeah. if you sent you a badly... You'd end up using an awful lot of paper. <laughs> all the paper would come spewing out with one line of postscript across the top edge of every sheet of A4 paper. And you, when you realised it was happening, everybody would scramble to pull the plug out of the printer before it spewed <laughs> out 500 sheets of paper with one line of postscript printed on them. Oh, dear. There we ah, are. Those were the days. Those were the days, <laughs> weren't they? Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, so let's move on to some actual Apple stories, shall we? Uh, Creative Block um, have a story here. Apple's strange Vision Pro accessory accessory has people baffled. Um, and this is uh, based on um, hints that there is a patent which describes a small portable physical object for use in extended reality, which later in the text refers to the device as a digital stone or a go stone. Um, it's all very vague and there's little in the way of concrete examples in the patent documentation. Well, as is usually the case. Um, Apple says it could be possible to associate the stone with a virtual object in Vision Pro and for that association to continue when the headset is powered off, allowing the user to carry content from the extended reality environment into the physical world and re-access it later using the same 
same Vision Pro or another extended reality uh, system. Just a bit of interesting. 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 Mm. Um, whether that turns into anything or whether it's simply one of Apple's little, you know, um, we'll just put a stamp on that one, put a pin in that one as a something we That's thought right. of. Just in case someone else has that idea. Yes. Um, as it says at the bottom here, we'll have to wait and see if this turns out to be an accessory to accompany the Vision Pro next year or if it is for much further ahead or that Apple merely wishes to protect the idea. Um, and that's that. But uh, interesting. A digital stone, apparently. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I could see the potential of a some kind of, you know, like a key fob object that you can use to, I don't know, s- somehow store the code for some extended reality object that you could then re-access later. Yeah, it's hard to tell, isn't it, without having a like an application that would make use of it. It's hard to understand what it might be, but uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it could simply be a... Um, I suppose if it was like some sort of saved state device so that, you know, if you've got a sort of complex setup going on in extended reality that you could maybe store it in this little object and then yeah, maybe. Or maybe, it. Or maybe it would be like sort of being able to have your computer or your your setup wherever you are. So you go to, go to your mate and use his device and plonk it on it somewhere and, and away you go. Who knows? Who knows? I've just found that. Um, That's interesting. They, you know, as it says, merely a patent could be something or nothing, as patents often are. Um, apparently, yeah. Apple will automatically offer iOS apps on the Vision Pro Store. Um, I don't think yeah, that don't that think sort of this makes is, sense. Yeah, I don't think this is a huge surprise. I don't. I think they. I don't think they've officially said so previously. I mean, they certainly hinted at it. I think. Um, in the WWDC. Um, I mean, uh, the Apple's previous um, manner with these kind of things is that it might include some of them, but but not you know they're they're obviously not going to include something that just wouldn't just wouldn't make oh, yes. sense. Um, the company has said that the majority of apps will be able to function without having to be modified. As for those that aren't automatically compatible, Apple will flag developers that the app can't run on the device in its current state, and developers can update their apps or add alternative functionality. Um, yeah. To take it up a notch, Apple will be offering Vision OS SDK, where developers can integrate Vision Pro-specific functions, such as 3D content, into apps. Um, I think I read somewhere else, which I didn't bother to flag, that Apple have basically said pretty much along the lines of that unless a developer says they don't want their app available on Vision um, OS, it will be made available and um, certain apps will simply be not available because they're not relevant to the platform. So, you know, it's not like they're just going to make everything yeah. available regardless. Um, I'm sure a fart app probably wouldn't really make it to the Vision <laughs> OS. <laughs> but uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, that will be that. Um Sort of going back to legislation in a slightly different manner, Apple has supported California's right to repair bill, breaking with tradition. 
this was on TechSpot. Um, Apple, of course, are notoriously um, well, not necessarily against right to repair, but um, like to withhold, you know, the sort of, you know, anyone should be able to take everything apart and put it back together again. Um, in 2024, on the 1st of July, Minnesota's right to repair law will go into effect. It's similar to the California bill, including the exclusion of game consoles. Um, anyway, Apple have supported the... Um, has supported SB 244, which it previously opposed in a letter sent to the California State Senator, urging it to pass. Um, I think the general opinion of this is that the um, the bill in question is not particularly onerous and simply states that uh, the manufacturers must make available the uh, ability for people to self-repair. And I suspect Apple yeah. feel that their uh, provision of a toolkit, should you wish to do so, uh, is good enough to make that um, okay. Apparently, Apple Apple have made a few conditions. Um, one is that if if non-genuine used parts are or used parts are used, that it must be declared by the repairer, and that um, that that the repair shops can't disable any of the security features. That's fair enough, I think. That's a reasonable, yeah. um, fairly reasonable. Yes, thank you, Vinny. Well, it's just protect, protecting their, what's most important to them, really. Isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? Um, yeah. And Apple has backed a California bill which would require stricter emissions reporting. Um, apparently... Uh, Apple has come out in support of a new bill in California which would require companies to reveal more information about climate emissions from their supply chain partners. In a letter penned to the California lawmakers, the company has said it is strongly supportive of climate change disclosures to improve transparency and drive progress in the fight against climate change. Um, so oh, there good. you go. Um, I am assuming here that uh, this is probably Apple feeling that they're already well ahead of that level and uh, perhaps some of their competitors should be uh, forced to do the same. Yeah, um, I think you're right. This bill specifically focuses on something called Scope 3 emissions, which come from a company's supply chain. Um, companies in California are already required to report certain data about their carbon footprint, and this bill would further expand those requirements to include Scope 3 data. Uh, Apple acknowledges Scope 3 emissions are harder to track than Scope 1 and 2. The former includes emissions released from sources owned by an organisation, while the latter are greenhouse gas emissions generated by a company buying electricity, heating and cooling buildings and more. Um, yeah, I mean, it could become very complex depending on how far they go back in the, in the yeah. supply chain, really. Um, Apple have said, we acknowledge that there is inherent uncertainty in modelling carbon emissions primarily due to data limitation. Scope 3 emissions in particular involve making educated assumptions and complex modelling. We believe, however, that our reports attest to the feasibility of reasonably modelling, measuring and reporting on all three scopes of emissions, including Scope 3, which represent the overwhelming majority of most companies' carbon footprint and are therefore critical to be included. Um, yeah, one of the things that used to drive electric car owners mad um, up until, well, up until fairly recently, was the fact that um, whenever comparisons were done, 
uh, on emissions, they looked at the, um, the electric cars from when they were manufactured, um, but the petrol cars, they only really measured from the pump. So, you know, once the fuel actually got to the car <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't really a level playing field at all. No, these are, you know. Um... Yeah, you've got to take into account that, you know, when you're, when you're burning fossil fuels, you've actually got to mine the fossil fuels and then you've got to transport them and then they've got to be refined and then they've got to be transported again and probably again before they actually yes. get in your car. Before they actually get to the <laughs> pump. So yes. there we are, um, and then they get burned. Same sort of out. thing. Same sort of thing here, really, is that you know, we we want we want uh, things to be as green as possible. But you know, you I suppose a big company like Apple can actually just turn around to their suppliers and say, look, we need this information, so get on with it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, obviously, I don't know the ins and outs, and um, not necessarily going to be viable for you know, uh, you know. Joe, Joe, you know, Joe Hayseed's coffee shop to report on no. all the thing, but uh, I'm sure for probably doesn't apply to them, but I'm sure, I suspect that Apple feel that if they're already doing it, they should support it. And um, yes, yeah. in a cynical point of, you know, in a cynical manner, you could say, well, they're just doing it to spite everybody else who doesn't do it. <laughs> Maybe, maybe there's a bit of both. Of, both I both suspect sides. there might. I think there might be a little bit of both of that, you know. But there we go. Um, and, uh, let's just say I feel it's Apple doing um, what they believe to be right, and that everybody should be doing their best to figure out what their carbon footprint is and how to reduce it. Um, yeah. uh, right. Um, a new iOS 17 AirPods Pro feature will take some iPhone users by surprise. Um, and this is BGR talking about the um, adaptive uh, conversation mode, I believe. Um, yeah, conversational awareness, uh, which is the new AirPods trick, which lets you have conversations without removing your headphones in the software will automatically lower the volume and boost the voice of the person in front, which we've talked about before. Um, yeah, that's good. That's clever stuff. Uh, Apple's voice assistant will inform the owner why the problem has dropped as conversation awareness has kicked in. Someone at 9 to 5 Mac discovered the feature while using the beta and when Siri chimed in with a message along with the lines of, just so you know, your iPads have lowered the volume due to conversation awareness. So there you go. Um, that's the new smart feature in AirPods Pro, which detects people talking to you and automatically turns down whatever you're listening to. Um, that's that one. Um, Apple TV Plus show shoots a crucial episode on iPhone. Um, this is the after party, which I think I've talked about before, which is Apple's sort of Agatha Christie whodunit-esque um, show. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's two seasons. I've just reached the end of the second season, which was equally as good. Um, basically, there's an episode in the second uh in the second season, which uh, relies on them looking at the footage of an amateur wedding photographer, uh, f searching for evidence of who did what. Oh, um, And uh, yeah, basically all of the uh, all of the footage for that was actually shot on an iPhone in portrait mode and then used in the program. So. Makes sense, you know, rather than faking yeah. it, they actually did it with an iPhone. Um, 
and it's uh, actually quite a good episode. Well, they're all good episodes, to be honest. I, I like the particularly in the second uh, in the second season the fact that every episode was filmed in a different style. Uh, I've mentioned it before, haven't I? Like the guy who thinks of himself as a detective, his detective, his story is told like it's um, you know nineteen forties noir movie. It's all filmed in black and white. Oh uh, yeah, with yeah. him doing a sort of a Humphrey Bogart type uh, carry on, and another one's done as if it's a sort of a Jane Austen and so on. Which <laughs> makes it amusing. Um, there's uh, an updated text magnifier in uh, coming in iOS 17. Apple Insider give you the lowdown on that. And that is uh, basically, um, you know, when you hold your finger on um, some text and you get the little loop pop up to help you position your pointer. Um, yeah. And it used to be a little round. Now it's bigger and uh, more of a pill shaped and it has more magnification than it did previously. So that's coming uh, if you're right. not uh, if you're not familiar with that. Um really good. Obviously I'm on the beaters now and have been since uh since Rogue Amoeba made their apps uh, you know, at least test with caution. Um so uh, apparently, iPhone 15 Pro's new action button teased in iOS 17 beta release. This was by BGR. Um, huge amount of debate in the rumor monger thing about whether this is really a thing or not, and whether it will be on Pro phones or all the iPhones. Or um, the rumor being that the volume on off toggle will be replaced with uh, a programmable action button. Um, the action button has appeared in many leaks and rumours and we are now taking it for granted despite any confirmation from Apple. Um, apparently the iPhone Pro and Pro Max should feature this action button um, and the design will bring a few changes to how iOS works. Um, according to 9to5Mac, the iOS 17 Beta 7 adds haptic feedback patterns uh, patterns for when the user turns silent mode on or off. Um, there you go. Whether or not there will be an action button instead of a toggle, we will find out on Tuesday, won't we, Nick? Yeah, I I'm not sure I like that idea. I mean, particularly for people with poor sight. I wouldn't have thought that would be a good idea at all. But I don't know. I'm not sure if it make that much difference um well if if all they're gonna i mean it depends what they're gonna use it for of course but if they're using it for toggling sound on and off i would have thought that the physical button would be a much better idea but there we go that's just me yeah i'm i'm not sure i mean a lot of people say that that you know oh it's easy to find it in you know in your pocket and flick the toggle and feel the buzz but i'm not really sure that finding and pressing a button in your pocket would be any more difficult especially if it has haptic feedback on it um well i'm not yeah i'm not talking about not being able to see it i'm just talking about people with with poor eyesight who may you know what i mean a physical button is always better for someone who can't who's working by touch oh yeah that's, yeah I, that's I always going always going to be better but whether yeah. it yeah um well, the rumours are it will only be on the Pro, so at least for now, even if it comes along, if you want... Yes, physical... everywhere. just buy one of the others. <laughs> buy one of yeah. the others for now. Uh, I mean, if it's, if it's a success, then I guess it will roll out everywhere next year. 
if it's even a thing. Um, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm, and it, it might be used for different things. I mean, it might not just be used for that purpose. So who knows? Well, the rumor is that if it's an action button like um, on the Ultra, it will be user programmable for what you have it yeah. do. Yeah. You could have it do other things. That, like that would make more sense. Turn on and off the, you know, turn on and off the, the torch or the Wi-Fi or various other things. Yeah. Who who will know? We won't know until it comes. Um, I suppose I suppose what I'm saying for me personally is I don't want more stuff that isn't we've got so much stuff that I probably don't use because it's not obvious or it is it would be obvious if I used it kind of thing but I don't use it. Yeah. I, I just don't, I just don't really want more stuff that I don't know about really. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz it just seems a little bit unnecessary. But Maybe Apple have got a special idea for it that will all make sense in the end. Yep. I mean, if you toggle the, um, for what it's worth at the moment, if you toggle the sound on off switch on your phone, there is haptic feedback when you turn it to silent and no yes. haptic feedback when you turn it to sound on. Interesting. That's right. So, I mean, yeah. there could simply be different haptic patterns for the physical switch. Who knows? But um, we shall see on Tuesday. We shall see. Um, where was I? Um, iPhone 15 Pro's Pro Notion button. button. Yep. Uh, uh, this is uh, Apple Insider say, Apple is researching a smart ring for notifications and controlling other devices. This is, of course, another patent. Um, Apple have filed patents for a smart ring in the past. I think they've been filing... Um, smart ring patents for several years um this one is interesting in that it has what is referred to as the electronic dual system uh which appears to be sort of a touch surface mounted as you would you know where you would mount a stone on a on a ring and that it would have a rotating outer band of some form and a stationary inner band as well as sensors, you know, against your finger. Um, I, I've heard as well that um, they're thinking of, ch they're not going to put Siri in it, they're going to put Shazam in it. So you have to say, Shazam! Shazam! <laughs> yeah. But do you suddenly, you know, change into a red Turn flight into suit? Into a superhero. <laughs> with a big puff of smoke. Yeah, all right. Yes. <laughs> um... I don't know. It just makes me think of that whenever I hear about a ring. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, or, you know, in my case, I more often think of the secret, secret squirrel secret decoder ring. Um, <laughs> yes. But, um, <laughs> there we are. I, I, I'm not saying I'm against such thing. I'm not sure. I mean, a ring, ring is a lot more difficult thing to make suitable for a large number of people because people's fingers come in all sorts of sizes um yeah yeah you know it's I mean, got the same it's got the same sort of issues as the glasses really hasn't it it's uh they need to be fitted um yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking unlike, with a, a, unlike a phone when you, you know your phone it doesn't really matter how big it is as long as you've got pockets big enough for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, I mean, a watch obviously is strapped to you with an adjustable band of some yeah. sort. You know, be it stretchy or adjustable, buckle up, whatever. Even glasses, to some extent, I think 
would be you know easier because you've got you know you've got you'd still end up with you'd still end up with the same sort of comments we get about the earbuds you know they don't stay on me nose they'll just keep falling off because <laughs> if you yeah. don't have the right pair of glasses they either end up on your cheeks you know if they're too deep they'll end up on your cheeks and they'll feel uncomfortable yep or or uh, or, or they won't stay up on your nose that <laughs> is constantly... true and you see people sometimes who wear glasses who are constantly pushing their glasses up their nose simply because we all have slightly different no- shaped noses. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Anyway, if anyway, you want, there you <laughs> yes. go. I mean, I find the I find the concept interesting enough. I'm just I just wonder how feasible it would be to achieve anything Useful. worthwhile from it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyway, I mean, there we go. Apple, if anyone can do it, Apple can. Yep. Uh, you know, my my problem is I have very small fingers, and also I have rings on all my fingers already. Yeah, yeah. Um, there we are. Um, we've got uh this one at USA Today. I put this one in because it, it's an interesting little read. It's not particularly in depth. The evolution of the iPhone from the original to the anticipated iPhone 15 release next week. Um, and basically skims through the evolution of the iPhone and what was added, you know, or improved at various generations. So if you're interested on in taking a, a swift overview of where the iPhone has come from uh, up until the iPhone 14, that's an interesting little read. It's not super in-depth. Um, yeah, so. I must admit, I look through and I think, oh, a phone. Oh, look, another phone. No. <laughs> oh, it's a slightly different shape phone. Oh, yeah. it's another phone. <laughs> just uh, it just tends to you know it does give you the breakdown of uh, you know oh of what changed in each when one. when yeah. you know when 4G was added when 5G was added uh, what what camera changes were added in that generation and so on so a quick overview of the life of the iPhone um it, we've... it just shows there's only so much you can do with a sort of a, a square a oblongish shaped fairly flat thing <laughs> yes exactly um, chamfered edges. We want to go back to chamfered edges. That's what yeah. I'm, I'm going to vote for. That. I mean, at the moment, uh, I keep saying, seeing things saying that um, allegedly the iPhone 15 is going back, going to go back to round edges in the you know, like we had um, up until the what was it, 12, 11, 12, before yeah. we went back yeah. to the square edged sort of iPhone 4 styly that uh, the 15 may return to the bar of soap. Um, <laughs> shape with rounded edges, not squared ed- off edges. Whether that's true or not, yeah. again, watch this space. Watch this space. Uh, you know, lots of people making all sorts of things about that. I mean, sometimes they do flat edges and sometimes they do round edges, and it just um, Apple have always seesawed between the two. And apparently, those were the two original concept designs, which are known as the sandwich and. Um, I believe the other one is, in fact, referred to as the bar of soap. But, um, oh, right. That's interesting. The, yeah, those were the two original designs, and the um, the first one was a bar of soap, and so was the 3G and the 3GS, and then um, Johnny yeah. did the 4, which is I, the I can see sandwich. those as the bar of soap. Yeah. yeah, and that was the sandwich design. Um, and we've had kind of iterations of both. Um, we've got Mark Gurman's <laughs> Apple... I've just I've, seen... I've go on, got, then. I've got my I've got my 
I've got my back door open at the moment. I've got like a patio door. And I've just seen this squirrel go shooting up the side of my, not on top, on the side of my fence. He's just <laughs> gone shooting up the garden. <laughs> made him jump. It wasn't me. <laughs> sorry. No, no that's all right. Completely yeah. off topic. No, that's all right. As, uh, you know, as uh, Guy likes to say, the problem with ADHD is, oh, squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I probably should have put this one in Vinny, uh, Vinny and the squirrels versus the uh, versus the analysts. We have Mark German's Apple oh, right. iPhone 15 bingo card, uh, which is on Apple three, where um, on Bloomberg everything Apple plans to show on September the twelfth, uh, posted by Bloomberg. And if you want to read through that, that's all the things Mr. German is predicting. And if you care to do so, you can score him on that later and see but, how well he did. But they're, not actually, but they're not actually giving you a bingo card. I mean, that's not... No, that's, that's not, not right, enough. is it? It should have been a bing, proper bingo card. Yeah, what's card. the point? It's just it's just text, and yet you're talking <laughs> about a bingo card. We want a bingo card. <laughs> yeah, I thought, we, we used to do those, didn't they? People used to do those for... Um, WWDC, people like 9to5Mackin yeah. used to put them out and you could print them out and sit there and cross them off. Um, <laughs> it's always funny, always an amusing uh, game. Um, I also did see, I put it in the Slack room, I think. There was a um, Ming-Chi Kuo rumours where uh, he effectively had, um, I can't remember where it was, I put it, I put, I'm sure I put it in the Slack room. But Ming-Chi Kuo has effectively done an incredible arse-covering comment where he's predicted something and then a couple of days ago said, or maybe it won't come till next year. (laughs) Which is how to get yourself in a position where you can't lose. If if it arrives, he will say, look, I predicted this all along. And if it doesn't, he says, told you so. Um... (laughs) Yeah, thank you for that, Ming Chi Kuo. That's uh, how to hedge your bets. Um, what have we got here? Where were we? Um, Apple ventures into classical music with a BIS acquisition. Um, apparently, Apple have uh, acquired an esteemed music label from Sweden called BIS. Named for uh, known for its critically acclaimed catalog. Um, that's more of one for you. Have you heard of these people at all, Nick? I haven't, no, not at all. Uh, BIS is famous for its catalog of current and future classical music recordings. That's good. Apparently, they've got <laughs> they've got a catalog of future classical music. Uh, <laughs> well, that's got, amazing, isn't it? <laughs> that's really amazing. They've got hold of music you can't get yet. Um, there we go. Yeah, sorry about that. Sub-editor needed. Um, founder Robert Von Barr confirmed that a small team from BIS would join Apple, working alongside the Apple Music Classical and Platoon divisions. Crikey, Apple have started a military division as well, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wonder if this has been translated from another language. But anyway... Um, it have been. The collaboration aims to enhance Apple's classical music offering. Classical music has historically lagged behind streaming in the streaming landscape um, and currently accounts for only 0.8 of 1% of music streams uh, in the US, which is a streaming-friendly market. 
Um, so there we it go. Says, sound, qu sound, qu sound quality has always been the concern for classical music enthusiasts. Um, I'd qualify that as sound quality has always been a concern of audiophiles. Yes. Not the same thing. Not the same thing. <laughs> I was going to say uh, something along the sound, same lines, which is um, sound quality has been, you know, a concern of classical music snobs. But there we go. Take it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like good sound quality. But honestly, it's the quality of the music that matters, not not how well it's been well, reproduced. I, I obviously you want or it when, to be. Oh, you know, you I want it to, to be. I used to chat to, yeah, but I used to chat to people who used to buy really expensive sound equipment. You know, oh, I've got gold contacts on me uh, on me cables, and it's so much better now. And you'd listen to it, and you think, oh, I can't tell any difference at all. <laughs> no, I mean, so there you go. You know, I'm obviously you want decent fidelity, and you want it to be, yeah, relatively true, but. Um, I, I always for me when we went for me when we went over to uh, CD that was good enough. Mm. I thought it was amazing the difference in in sound quality, and of course then there are those who are now saying, "Oh, give me the old warmth of the vinyls any day." And you know, well, that's up to you. But uh, I don't see that we have to keep improving and improving and improving because it really is only technical. I I I, I would like to see someone doing blind tests. These people who yeah, I know. Well, I always see if they really do. You know, if you go, I don't, I don't. You know, I'm not. I don't want to be poking a finger in the eye of people who are into deep. You know, high quality audio. But if you go and listen to a classical concert, you know, you're dependent upon the um, acoustics in the church or the hall or concert venue. You know, Absolutely. there'll be there'll be people coughing and moving around in their chairs and. So I'm not. And yet there's something that's uh, intangible about being at a live concert, whether it be pop music or... Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, classical music or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's different. And we're never, ever going to, I don't think, be able to capture that atmosphere because it, it is simply that. There's an oh, atmosphere yeah. to live. Um, you know, I mean, I, th I think... It's, it's intangible. I mean, I've, I've told you before, I think. I don't know if I've mentioned it on this show, but... Uh, maybe I have in the past. Uh, I used to do work for, well, he's sort of a, a client and a friend of mine um, who converted his barn into uh, an opera venue uh, known, as right. the okay. known as the Barandoff Opera. And uh, mm -hmm. he has opera galas. <laughs> and uh, several times he invited myself, my wife and my girls to go. Um, and opera's not really my thing. Right, and for years he was saying to me, "You must come to the opera. You must come to the opera." And I kind of kept dodging it. And then he he circumvented me when Danielle was about twelve by inviting her to go to the opera gala. Yeah. So we went. <laughs> we all right. went. To, we all went to the opera gala. But I must admit, um, it's a you know, it's a fairly large barn, but the performers, uh, you know, it's in the round. They're in the middle of the floor with all the tables around, and there's a couple of balconies. It's not a huge, mm. you know, it's not a huge venue. So I don't know, 100 odd people, maybe. Yeah. 120 people. Yeah. There's about, I think there's a, you can get 100 people. We have tables of 10 in the bottom, and then the balconies hold about 20 people right. to, um, each. Anyway, but we went, and the first time it was unbelievable. I was totally and utterly blown away because this young, 
uh, soprano. I can't remember what she was, Estonian or something, but she looked like she was about 16. I'm sure she wasn't, but she came out yeah. this fairly, you know, very slender young woman. And they're just accompanied by the piano. And she opened her mouth and this pure sound came out. And quite literally, you know, it made all the hairs on my arms and the back of my neck stand up. It's completely different to listening to opera on the television or the radio or whatever. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah, you're, you're right. You just cannot, no matter how much you try, you can't replicate that at all. Uh, uh, no, I, th- I think that's what audiophiles are trying to do. They're trying mm. to re- recreate live music as close to live music as they possibly can um, by using, you know, expensive audio equipment. And, you know, I, I, like you, I, I, I mean, if that's what they love to do, that's that's fine by me. And um, But I think that what they're aiming for is impossible, <laughs> really. I think I might have mentioned this story as well, but when I was in my young teens, my father, his bookkeeper slash accountant was an audiophile and he'd bought this super expensive audio setup that cost him, you know, thousands upon thousands. And no doubt was absolutely amazing. But as a result, he had to buy special pressings of records that were also ludicrously expensive because ordinary LPs sounded terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it if just I picked up that, yeah. it picked up every single floor. So he then had to buy these super expensive, expensive uh, special pressings um, of the music he wanted to listen to. Um, iOS beta testing, seven things which still frustrate me in Apple software update. This was on Tom's guide. Um, some of these, uh, let's see what we've got and what I think of them. Uh, live voicemail inconsistencies. Well, I haven't tried that, so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't comment on that one. Uh, apparently the trouble I've run to is that live voicemail doesn't always leap into action in a predictable manner. Sometimes the transcribed message pops up immediately. Other times I've got a notification that somebody uh, has left a message with no other indication of the message's contents. Well, it's beta, so who knows? It might not <laughs> it be. Um, uh, it says here, as much as I can figure, using live voicemail requires a modest amount of intervention on your part. Uh, I've got the best results when an incoming call appears. I tap the voicemail button. A message will then generally appear, although sometimes I'll be prompted to unlock the screen. Seems to work better than just letting the phone ring. A live voicemail message almost never appears in those circumstances. Um, FaceTime voicemail. Uh, Some people might appreciate the multiple ways to let you know an incoming call came, but I think it adds needless clutter. Since tapping a missed call in the iPhone will immediately launch a FaceTime call without seeing the message left for you. Okay, well, again, um, not sure about that. Uh, Standby mode, which is the um, feature coming, which uh, will turn your uh, phone basically into a bedside clock calendar showing whatever widgets you select um brings oh, a smart oh, i see so in this one his criticism is that he hasn't got a phone that can implement that on well then buy a new phone <laughs> <laughs> well nor do i and it, it's still kind of using i haven't actually dug into it but uh you know while i have it in that mode if i tap it it will show me the time and whatnot i haven't bothered to set it up to be honest um 
a lot of people are saying it relies on, you know, phones which have an always-on screen. But as it only comes on whilst you're plugged in or on a MagSafe charger, I don't see why the screen couldn't be turned on anyway. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, maybe it wouldn't do the... I don't well, it doesn't know. do the slow I mean, refresh, does it? The, the big, the big thing no, with the I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking the burning and that kind of thing. If you're well, leaving it on all the while, well, that know. is the thing with the um, the ones that have an always-on screen. I believe can slow down to a one hertz refresh rate, so they don't use as much right. energy and they refresh the screen every second. Um, passcodes clean up caveats. There's a promising change in the messages app. All those texts you get containing one-time codes with two-factor authenticators, are supposed to vanish after you use them. Um, these messages only disappear if you use autofill to enter the passcode. Problem is that two-factor authentication doesn't always work like that. Sometimes these passcodes, uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, well, that's a nitpick, really, isn't it? That's a terrible yes. nitpick. They didn't go away previously. They didn't delete themselves previously. You had to delete them manually. So apparently some of them you have to delete manually. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> um, Proximity-based airdrop. Apparently he's got some issues with that. Um, you're supposed I've, to be able I've to bring your iPhone near another person. Name drop. Well, it's new, so you won't get it yet. It's a new thing coming in iOS no, I mean, 17. Air, I mean airdrop. I've never used airdrop, so... I I find lots of people swear by it. I find I myself swearing at it as much as swearing by it because um, <laughs> I've never quite understood how to use it, and so I'm, well, I've never it, bothered to find out how. So when it works, it's wonderful, but sometimes it yeah. just refuses to work. It just won't detect your laptop or your the other person's phone or whatever. It just doesn't. Um, in my yeah, experience. As soon as something lets you down once, that's it. You just never try again. No. Uh, I find it easier to use files and, um, you know, various cloud storage. Yeah. Um, The idea is instead of summoning the share menu, all you have to do is bring your devices next to each other, confirm the share and have a hassle-free transfer. Um, I haven't got this... I haven't got the hang of this yet, and I have to confess it's not for a lot. Oh, it is for a lack of trying. Um, well, I think the thing with those is if you if they if they don't become instantly like obvious how they work, people tend to just ignore them. Yes. Um, yeah. Agreed. Uh, the new plus button in messages. Um, this refers to uh, in messages previously you had. Um, and if you open your messages, Nick, you'll probably still see it. If you go to write a message, you had a little row of apps, you know, the things for stickers and add a picture and yeah. so on. Uh, that's been replaced with a plus button to the uh, left-hand side of the message, you know, where you write your message. So you tap that and it now shows camera, photos, stickers, audio, location and all the other things you can do um, rather than having a row of icons. Um, hasn't bothered me, to be honest. Some people play, oh, it's another tap or two taps, really. Um, doesn't doesn't <laughs> break my heart. doesn't break my heart. And in fact, I actually find it slightly easier to use because the row of things, you have to sometimes slide them around and whatnot, and I never really got on with that. So there you go. Um, the end call button on the move. This is slightly out of date because in earlier betas, uh, previously the six 
controls for a phone call were in the middle of the screen and the end call was in the centre at the bottom. Um, they then changed during the betas to six buttons at the bottom and they put the end call on the right hand side. Um, not something that bothered me. Um, subsequently, in the latest beta, they moved it back to the middle. Um, and I've said before, I'm less bothered by that, whether it's on the right, the left, or in the centre, as it's a big red button, and the others are all grey, than the fact that they've sw swapped the mute and the audio buttons over, and I've muted more calls by accident than I have missed the end call button, I can assure you. because when I think... You... Um... I think Philip Michaels is um, is he's easily frustrated. It seems to me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> these yes. all seem very minor points. And it's still beta. You know, this is still beta. I mean, I know yes. we're on what we're on now. Beta. I think I'm on beta seven. Um, it won't. You know, it won't be long. I suspect it's likely to probably launch next week. Quite often, the iOS and. Uh, comes out at the same like a few days after, after yeah, the well, iPhone maybe, maybe a week maybe, maybe a, a week, week after or something like that. yeah so we're not far away um yeah i have said to apple please put the speaker and the mute buttons back the right way round and no there is no right <laughs> way round it's just the way they've been for ever and Forever. um I kind of, you know, muscle memory makes me tap where the uh, where I expect the speaker button to be, and it mutes the call, and then you have to. Oh no, not what I meant to do. <laughs> I've sent them feedback, and uh, I've also noticed in um, on a Twitter thread where people were moaning about the uh, the call button, whether it should be in the nest with other ones or not, and so on. But several people said, I don't care about the red button. Can we just have the speaker and the mute buttons back the right way round? <laughs> so Fair I'm enough. not the only one. I'm not the only one. Um, uh, we have uh, a change to Apple's website could be a surprisingly big deal from iMore. And this is that um, without any fanfare, Apple have created a section on the App Store which says Apps by Apple to uh, promote their own apps. Um, the uh, inference uh, Mr. Bentley of iMore makes that it could be uh, related to um, the digital uh, marketing thing of the European Union um, and that Apple wish to more strongly promote their original first-party apps. There you go. Doesn't seem like a very big deal to me, to be honest. Um, simply, app, it seems app. to me that seems to me that people are struggling to find uh, find <laughs> anything to write about. <laughs> <coughs> well, that's because if you don't want to talk about rumours, there isn't much else to talk about. That's the truth. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Because you know nobody's got much to say until Tuesday when it all will blow up. Um, Indeed. Apple released um, Mac OS Ventura 13.52.2, uh, which I believe was bug fixes and security. Um, almost certainly the last um, update before Sonoma hits mainstream. Um, yeah, I updated yesterday. Yeah. Um, apparently, Apple may release a Thunderbolt cable for the iPhone 15 Pro. 
uh, almost certainly as an you know extra uh, item. So you might be able to buy a Thunderbolt cable to transfer your very large video files from. Uh, this is basically a rumour. And to go with that, the Cult of Mac also have Apple's iPhone 15 cables could be limited to sluggish data transfer speeds. Um, make of you make of that what you will. Um, depends what you mean by sluggish. As long as it's not any slower than a lightning cable, I don't see what the problem is. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want super fast Thunderbolt speeds, maybe you will have to pay Apple. But I'm, you know, a premium. But that said, as far as I can tell, if it does have Thunderbolt support, then any Thunderbolt cable you buy should be able to do it. And let's face it, um, fine. Again. All speculation. Um, yeah, you know, if if Apple ch- charge a premium for a Thunderbolt cable, lots of people will be whining, and the rest of us will be saying, "Well, if you don't want one, don't buy one." Um, and if you do, <laughs> Thunderbolt cables don't come cheap anyway. To be honest, um, no, no. There we are. Um, and just to wrap up that basic Apple stories, uh, three iOS. 17 features which will not be available at launch, which I think we've mentioned before. Previously, there were more than that. I think the journal app is surprisingly not going to be available at launch. That's a shame. Which is strange because that was, you know, one of its tentpole features. Yeah. Um, Collaborative Apple Music playlists will not uh, come along originally and airdrop transfers over the internet will also not come uh, in the very first release. Um, there we go. Uh, none of those really uh, break my heart, but uh, I'm slightly surprised by the journaling app, and I'm not quite sure what that's about. Unless no. um, unless Sonoma is not going to launch at exactly the same time as uh, iOS. Well, that's possible. Which is all, you know. It could be there's going to be a gap, and yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, considering they made such a big thing of it at the WWDC, that does slightly surprise me, that one. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll move on swiftly to the social media. Apple plans to stop providing customer support via Twitter and YouTube. Uh, the biggest thing I have to say about that is I didn't know they did such a thing. <laughs> No, um, not me. No. Um, and apparently, X Twitter, I'm stealing Gazmaz's title for it because it's the best title I've heard ever. X Twitter wants permission to start collecting your biometric data and employment history. So, um, of course, it needs to know those things. It course. needs to know all those things. Of course, it does. Um, <laughs> I'm still on Twitter, but it's becoming less and less interesting by the day. I have to say, um, I haven't not... noticed because, as you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't you've never, use it. you've never really used it, no, or not to any no. great extent. Um, no, I, that's right. I still do use it, but I must admit, it's no longer my first go-to app. Um, I'm afraid Mastodon and Blue Sky have not uh, really caught my attention either. I'm on Mastodon and Blue Sky. Blue Sky, I don't understand how it's supposed to work at all. And Mastodon, um, maybe I'm not using it right, but it doesn't seem to engage me in the way Twitter did back in the day. So yeah, and for uh, and for Mac Jim, who who uh, said 
Blue Sky, didn't I know about it being a musician? So just to prove, Blue <laughs> yeah. Skies shining on me. <laughs> Nothing but blue skies, I see. Yeah, I know exactly what you meant, Mac Jim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we've got uh, technology and science. This one Jim sent in, and it's from one of his, uh, you know, brighter side news. Scientists develop artificial kidney which could eliminate the need for dialysis. Um, that's amazing. I mean, that is just, oh yeah, if that works, that's incredible. Um, it says here, researchers are on the brink of a breakthrough which could reshape the very fabric of kidney disease treatments. Um, the university dialysis of... is not, not a, it's a hot, it's, it's difficult. Horrible. Thing. It's not, yeah. it's not pleasant at all. Um Key, a team of dedicated scientists from the University of California, San Francisco, uh, is driving this revolution with a groundbreaking creation, an artificial kidney. Um, according uh, approximately one in uh, two in a thousand Americans grapple with end-stage kidney disease, blah, blah, blah. Um, what makes this bioreactor stand out is its compatibility with the body. In initial experiments, the device, when implanted in pigs, showed no adverse reaction from animals' immune systems. This is a significant milestone considering the immunological challenges associated with transplant. Um, yeah. So if you're interested in that, there's uh, a fairly long article there about that. Um, hopeful, very hopeful. Let's... Um, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. That would be um, a, you know, that would be great because people who suffer from kidney disease obviously do usually have to have uh, dialysis or, you know, hope for a kidney yeah. transplant. I mean, if it, if, it were, if it works as it indicates it could, then that's life-changing for those people. So let's hope so. Mm. I think this one also came from uh, Mac Jim, which is a guided tour of the new Fairphone 5. I believe this is a YouTube link. <laughs> it is. I've just tried it and it's starting yes. to play. <laughs> yep. It's a YouTube link. Uh, this, uh, if you're interested, is about the new Fairphone 5, which uh, Mac Jim is considering. Um, oh. So there you go. Um We'll quickly skim forward then to security and privacy. Um, Apple has patched two zero-day floors abused to install Pegasus spyware. Um, I've got that Good. from TechSpot. And your iPhone is at risk of this new iMessage attack. Here's how to protect your service on Slash Gear, which is basically install the latest update, which uh, Apple pushed out within a couple of days of... Uh, being made aware of the zero-day flaws, I believe. Um, of course, if you're not really at huge risk from being attacked by Pegasus, uh, you know, the rest of us are not really at great risk of being attacked by Pegasus. But, it, you know, Apple have patched the zero days promptly and pushed out a security fix in, what was it, 16.6.1, is it? I can't remember. Whatever the latest one they pushed out the other day is. Yeah. Um. A notorious Mac malware has resurfaced as, resurfaced as an office productivity app. Um, this is um, a thing known as Xloader. Um, an info stealer malware now runs natively on Mac OS. And I believe 
uh, is bundled inside an installation file for a fake productivity app called Office Note. Um, it was signed with a developer signature back in July, but Apple has revoked the signature. Oh, that's good. So it's not much of a danger unless well, you're apparently, uh, to installing stuff that Apple's own XProtect <laughs> malware does not have the necessary signature to prevent this app from running on your Mac. Um, yeah, but you're going to have to go past yes. the, um, yeah. this is not assigned. Yeah, or whatever. Run it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the basic thing with that is, yes, it's posing as a thing called um, Office, Office Note, Note and uh, usual rules apply. Be careful where you get stuff. Um, yeah. Also, um, I have here from HuffPost, nine passwords experts warn you should never use uh i suspect this will be the usual suspects um which crop up all the time do not use identical passwords do not use your mother's maiden name do not use your street name do not use your pet's name do not use password do not use a name followed by the number one don't use your surname don't use obvious patterns and don't use something all in caps oh well unless it unless it's very long well, exactly. All of these, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> go out of the... It, it is possible to... Yeah, because of the way that um, hacking software works, I, I, I mean, it, it works a letter at a time. So if you make it very long and all in caps, you're probably okay. <laughs> yes. You know, the the entropy... The entropy and all that yeah. sort of stuff. You know, if you make it 24 characters long, <laughs> also bear in mind that most... Hacking software, excuse me. <coughs> oh, most hacking software will expect it to have upper and lower and numbers and all the yeah, other, and therefore, true. you know, should you type a verse of Jerusalem all in caps as your passphrase, um, that would take <laughs> a million odd years for any software to crack. <laughs> Probably take you that long to type it in. <laughs> yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, there we go. Um, Oh, well. Um, this one I found, this is probably a couple of weeks old. Uh, is your smart light bulb giving passwords to hackers? This um, was uh, TP-Link's Tapo smart bulb suffers from security flaws, um, which could give hackers passwords and other information researchers said on the Wednesday. This was, as I say, a couple of weeks ago. And when I pasted it in the Slack room a day or so later, I believe it was Alistair said that he had received firmware updates for uh, his nano leaf bulbs. Um, uh, right. So I don't know about the TP bulbs in particular, but um seems that firmware updates for light bulbs were being pushed out, at least by most manufacturers, fairly promptly after that. Um, and we have a... Uh, Proton Pass roadmap from Proton. If you're interested in what Proton are doing with their password manager, um, and good. the tips, we've got a few tips. Uh, uh, how to? Uh, you should avoid these products when cleaning your iPhone. Um, unsurprisingly, you know, don't scrub it with a Brillo pad. Don't dunk it in bleach. Um, yeah, don't spray acid on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there are one or two things, you know, which you might not uh, consider to be 
basically uh, one which is slightly uh, surprising do not use compressed air to clear debris from ports um yeah do, presumably because you blow it blow you it can, further in you can do damage <laughs> to um you know you can force air inside the your phone doing harm uh brushes yes, it's very it's very cold air isn't it as well yes. so it can there it'll be moisture in it um, do not use brushes, toothpicks, or other spiky things, uh, particularly around ports, because you can damage the delicate contacts inside. Uh, Definitely don't use um, uh, cheese and pineapple no. on sticks. That, that, that makes a real mess. That really right. isn't, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about whoosh cleaning solution? Um, never, never heard of it. No, nor have I. Uh, you may have heard of this in connection with Apple product. It's called Woosh, a cleaning solution. Uh, free from alcohol, ammonia, dye, fragrances, and designed for use on smartphones, laptops, and other tech. Uh, it claims that Woosh is the only approved screen cleaner for all Apple stores worldwide. Um, according to the post, there are bottles of Woosh in every Apple store, and it's the secret cleaning tool Apple uses to keep display products sparkling clean. There is no mention of the product in Apple's cleaning recommendations and they do not sell it in store. This may seem odd, but at the same time, if the claim was false, Apple would surely force Woosh to take this link down. Um, mm. So there you go. Um, I've got a tip for how to disable animated cover art in Apple Music. If you find that distracting, if you prefer to have the old static album art... Um, I don't use Apple Music enough to even know that it had animated cover art. Um, uh, Apple's number one iPad app has uh, released a game-changing upgrade for animators. Um, and this is Procreate. Uh, Donnie pointed this out to me. I think Mac Jim might have pointed it out. Procreate um, have added a new app called Procreate Dreams, uh, which is for animators and is designed for iPad Pros. You need an M1 or an M2 uh, iPad for this, but if you're an animator, um, you might be interested in that. Um, there's no subscription. It's a one-time payment of £19.99-£20, and all its tools are at your fingertips. Well, Apple Pencil's tip, actually. Um uh, this offer app offers drawing, cell animation, keyframing, video editing, compositing, all in the app. Uh, it will be released globally later this year, uh, around the 22nd of November, apparently. So if you're into animation, 20 quid will, and you've got an iPad Pro, of course, you will uh, be able to pick up this Procreate Dreams animation app. Uh, I've got uh, Wired UK, how to take back control of your photo and video storage. Uh, if you are, you know, not keen on letting all your photos and videos be stored, what be it in Apple Cloud or Google Photos or somewhere, uh, there's information there on how to set up your own storage solution on site at home using, you know, your own storage. Um, yes, and there's quite a lot of quite a lot of apps out there that will allow you to save your photos out in various places as well i think yes there are um and most of my backups seem to back up my photos as well so <laughs> yes i think as long as you're doing backups you're probably okay <laughs> yeah 
Uh, I suspect this is for people who are fairly serious about their photography slash videography and would prefer yes. to yeah, um, probably right. make sure that they can um, maintain their own storage for yeah. you know, reasons other than simply having a backup. But um, yeah. information yeah. on how to go about that in that article. And to wrap us up, Nick, the just a snippet is the Apple One advert Handwritten by Steve Jobs, sold for an amazing one hundred and seventy-six thousand um, dollars. I've got a letter. If someone wants to, um, to to have that, I'll let them have it for a lot less than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this appears to be a piece of um, standard U.S. letter paper with the text of an advert for the, uh, an Apple One written on it by Mister Jobs, and uh, it's sold wow. for him. Large amount of money. There we are. Can I can I add one more? Of course you can. Um, uh, this week I watched uh, Elon Musk uh, doing a, a, a very rough demo on a phone, and it was rough. I mean, the video quality wasn't brilliant, and uh, kept breaking up. And but what he was demonstrating was the latest version of their self-driving. And what was remarkable about it was because we've talked about this before, and. Before, it's all been rule-based. So basically, they've made rules. They've said, you know, if you get to a traffic light and it's red, you have to stop. And if it's amber, you have to do this. And if it's green, you can go. Um, All those sort of rules and basically just a lot of rules. Apparently, in version 12, they've thrown most of that out of the window. And they've actually used AI. And they just keep feeding it videos. And it's working out for itself how to drive, which is quite a a leap, I think. Um, I think that's more remarkable than it sounds. Uh, yes. Um, and it showed it... I mean, it wasn't perfect because it's still learning, but it showed it driving him around quite a lot of stuff that was challenging. There were roadworks, there were all sorts of things. And what it's doing is it's actually using millions because because um Tesla have been collecting all those videos for all those years. They've got millions and millions of hours of videos. And they're basically showing it all the good videos of good driving, and it's making its own mind up what to do, which is quite remarkable, really. And now I really think we are on the edge of self-driving cars. Well, that sounds, you know, that's much of a leap to me. That seems to me like a far... (sighs) a far more sensible route. I'm not against having, you know, certain sets of rules, but you'll never construct a rule-based system, which is going to be... It's just too complicated. And uh, what what I thought was quite interesting is they'd had to override certain bits of it simply because people don't drive properly. So apparently 0.05% of people in America actually stop at stop signs. (laughs) (laughs) they roll through them just fractionally so very very few people actually stop but apparently some legal body in america have said i'm sorry your software's got to stop the car so they've had to override the 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 ai learning to say no you really do need to stop you should actually (laughs) stop uh well that's actually you would kind of think really do that few people actually stop at a stop sign but if you think yeah. about it in the real world here in the uk as you approach a give way junction yes normally as long as you can see that there's nothing in the road that you're, you're turning into through. you can drive through 
So, I mean, though it was many, many years ago when I was taught to drive, my driving instructor, who was an ex-police driver, would say, as you approach the give way sign, slow down, go down into second gear, reach the point that you, you know, if you can't see clearly, then you have to stop. If you can see clearly that there is nothing impeding your thing, then you can accelerate away through the junction, which is, yeah. you know, how I think most people probably drive. But um, Yes, certainly in the UK, but in America they are supposed to stop regardless of whether there's any cars there. I or know, not. yes, indeed. So, uh, <laughs> that, which so is... you, can, you can actually be stopped by the police if you roll through a stop sign. Stop sign. Oh, and we um, do have stop signs here in the UK as well, don't we, as well as yes, give-way signs. Just, just so not many of them. Not many <laughs> compared to America. America. We, have, we have give-way signs, but we do also have stop signs, which I do believe you are actually meant to stop at. So yes, but, I must um, admit, what, just, what, watching the video, watching the video with Elon in, um, wherever they were driving, in I think they were in Palo, Palo Alto. I expect so. Um, yeah. It's a stop sign every couple of hundred yards, <laughs> 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 would drive me bonkers. I think just um, don't, uh, but, just don't let it see any of the Fast and Furious movies or. <laughs> Um, show it any of the yes. Grand Theft Auto games. Uh, well, I think it, I think they are being selective selective about. They're not just feeding it every video because obviously no, of it course not. pick up bad habits as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But, uh, but I I just thought that's quite a diff- That's quite a different approach, and I think that's going to work. I, I think, think that's um, yeah, that's got driving cars fairly soon now. That's got. Um, I would say that's probably got a lot more potential than. Um, yeah, you know, a mostly oh, so a mostly rule based thing because just how big a rule base are you going to use? It would have to be almost infinitely large to cover all eventualities. So exactly, yeah. Whereas this thing will just say, "Oh, I've seen this kind of situation before," so. because they've got so many millions of hours of video all over the world. Indeed, um, I would say so, that's probably yeah, exciting a, times. That's probably got a. You know, a much better um, thing. Um, well, just interestingly, at um, apropos nothing, Steve Jobs' memorabilia goes for top dollar page. I see at the bottom here, apparently, Apple uh, actually filed its first headset patent 16 years ago. Happens to be one of the ones at the bottom of the page. Oh, wow. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Well, you might not get it. Depends what, because I think those ads, all those things at the bottom of pages are served up algorithmically, aren't they? Anyway. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, no, I can't see it. I do, I do seem to uh, remember seeing an article where they were talking about the Vision Pro and one of the Apple execs said that they'd actually started work on the concept, you know, 15, 16 years ago. So maybe earlier. So there we go. Right. I think we've done it all, Nick. There was a lot there. It's all done. It's all done. We've done it all because there was weeks worth of stuff there to plough through. So we've done it. And we're all looking forward to Tuesday. I've got my alarm set. I've got my, you know, Apple are going to email me personally to uh, tell me that it's time to put on the Apple TV and tune in to the event. As long as it's it's not too long, I'll probably be able to watch it because... um... I've got to go out at uh, choirs are all starting up again. Oh, of course. So I've got to go out at I've got to go out at about quarter past seven. So I might just miss the end. I should <laughs> think you'll probably... how long it is. I should think you'll catch most of it. I should think. 
they're not yeah hopefully they're not wwdc kind of length are they a lot of those they're now you know with the being pre-recorded they've strimmed them down to 45 minutes to an hour usually so yes be able to catch that i hope so right well we're all looking forward to that oh i know what i have to say i have to say uh do you remember when we talked about the dynamic island um i must say i had some feedback from alex fox um basically uh alex was one of the original members of the mac and forth crew and is uh was indeed he uh you know talks to me a bit on twitter and sometimes in the mac and forth discord um he said uh regards the dynamic island he uses it mostly for timers and he finds it particularly useful for uh showing his parking when he parks at a parking Uh meter or uh similar so that he has his time remaining on his um you know, on his parking ticket, available on the screen at all times. So, oh, go. that's quite useful. And um, there are rumours yet to be uh, confirmed, of course, that the Dynamic Island might come to the non-pro iPhones this year, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, it would follow Apple's pattern and probably would not hurt because it would uh, avoid the thing we were talking about last show of, you know, not getting enough uptake from developers because only a couple of the phones in the range make use of it yeah. and we don't want the difficulty to. of course on tuesday is going to be um do I, do I go for a new phone or do i stay with my 11 and just replace the battery mm. <laughs> we'll have to see what it offers you won't you i guess yeah we will we will indeed you know there's always another one next year so <laughs> yeah that's true. Can I, you know, do I feel it's worth it or shall I hold on another year? There we are. Right, Nick, I think we'll wrap it up and say goodbye because uh, we're done and we'll be back next week, I hope, to talk about what Apple did release. So uh, as people know, you can find me on Twitter and you can find me on Mastodon as at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Went blank in the middle there. Mind block. (laughs) Mind block, blanked. Yeah, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And uh, thank you for all the people who support us. Thank you for listening, to continue to listen to the junk that I uh, spout. And thank you, of course, to Nick for joining me all these times. And uh, we will be back hopefully next week to talk about what Apple had for us. So until then, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... 
Bart Boo Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast and take a listen. Hi, my name is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS at InTouchWithIOS.com with my co-host Warren Sklar. We talk about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. We also have some great Apple guests from the Apple community that also talk to us uh, relating to any tips, any apps, any news of the day, anything that's going on with Apple. Please give us a listen. Our website is InTouchWithIOS.com. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.